It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, December 1st, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high quality content that really, I can't believe it's December, Russ. Where did the time go? I don't know. It's crazy. I agree with you. Well, we've got a Flyers game tonight versus Tampa to talk about and a lot more all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with prospect expert Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at Lockdown Flyers. That's where we post about our latest episodes and Flyers news. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. On today's show, we are going to preview tonight's matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning. We've got some news and some interesting lines from practice to talk about. And then we're going to wrap up with a prospect profile on Flyers draftee Alex Bump, who is off to a good start this season. Locked On Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube. So subscribe there as well. Russ, uh, no sign of Tony D'Angelo on the ice at practice. So it appears like he probably won't be in the lineup tonight. Yeah, I just don't feel like he's going to be. Um there's always last minute things that could happen, but usually um, you have to practice a certain amount of time to get games in with torts. So I'm going to, I'm going to say right now, mm-hmm. it looks like he's out, but we'll see. Yeah. I was thinking just because he's been out due likely to that fight he got into, although you never know until they tell you exactly, but, uh, and then there was the continued fighting versus the Islanders mm-hmm. in the second half of that home and home. And it just got me thinking about penalty minutes overall. And lo and behold, the Philadelphia Flyers have the most penalty minutes and most penalty minutes taken by their opponents. It's very close. It's 263 and 261. Well, I mean, you want to be on the other side of that ledger where you're getting more from the opponent than you're giving. And they're not even trying on that. Like, it's like, I feel like there's very few times now with this team that we're seeing them cycling the puck or controlling the puck so well that they get a penalty once in a blue moon. It used to be more. Well, I mean, it is pretty even there. So, I, you know, from a glass half full approach, even though they're getting into a lot of fights and they are, you know, taking penalties, at least they're drawing enough to match that it's not so far askew in the other direction that that's a huge, huge problem. I mean, it is a problem, but yeah. I feel like, you know, th- there is a little bit of a glass half full here. That's fine. You could look at it that way. Uh, we'll see if the penalty minute trend continues as the season progresses into December uh, speaking of starting off December, we had some really fascinating lines at practice yesterday. And I think that in the past, 
when kind of crazy lines would pop up, you know, especially recently with Alan Vigneault and Mike Yo, uh, they were just like in desperation mode, like right. using a dartboard or like a bingo ball puller to like figure out what the lines are. There appears to be, you know, you could look at these lines that way, but also I think there's a, a weird method to the madness here that I want to talk about. Um, you know, whether or not something is line one versus line two versus line three, I think ultimately doesn't matter anymore <laughs> in this lineup. I mean, there there will be some to get more minutes, but he's kind of rotating guys through in terms of getting more minutes and getting less minutes and that's where i see the method the madness is the combination of people right yeah where you have noah cates again going back to center from wing uh lawton is on the wing when they could be using him at center but lawton cates and McEwen as a line i don't i don't know man <laughs> i don't like it i mean so how's that going to match up against point kucherov and hagel just ask him yeah ask him for a friend I know. And then, you know, you have Joel Farabee and Kevin Hayes centered by Sedlak, which I think, you know, if you're going to keep Kevin Hayes out on the wing, that's as good a line as any with the personnel the Flyers have. But I, I just I don't know if he's trying to, like, split up the guys that can produce or clump them all together in order to at least have one line. Like it's unclear what he's doing here. On well, that I think I have an answer to what he's doing. Like their second line could be Nick Paul, Alex Kalorn, Steven Stamkos. Like Nick Paul's really good on faceoff. Sedlak's okay. Like that to me, that's a little bit of a mismatch. What I think Torts is trying to do here, which I am not in favor of is he's basically like, okay, Every line now is going to have one of those guys that I like for their physical and forechecking play. And my problem with doing that against Tampa is they've got too much speed and skill to do that on every line. And they're going to get guys that get trapped behind the play, like a McEwen. Like that's, you know, I, I see that happening in the game, and that's no slight to Zach. He should never be on the first line. It's just the way it is. Um, third line. You know, if they use Nemestikov, Colton, and Corey Perry, like I get that they have Delorier there because he's like the veteran, but right. that could be a real mismatch too with Frost, Tippett, and Delorier against those guys. Like that could be a real mismatch. And then, you know, fourth lines are fine. They, you know, Pierre Edward Bellomar are probably going to be good for at least a point just because. But, right. but Pat Maroon, like, again, are they going to start up with Pat Maroon? I don't know, but if they do, it's kind of like, what's the point? Hopefully not three seconds into a game. I hope that's not a trend now because, you know, Torts is the one with the history from that, um, starting guys to start with fights and then yelling. You know, they, they were showing video of that last game back when he was with the Rangers, and then he did it again. Uh, I don't think he's going to do that this game, but I'm just saying Tampa can play it always. They have everything set for them. They're faster. So honestly, you could try and slow them down with the forecheck and everything else. Some of those guys, you can't slow down that way. Some of those guys, you actually have to beat them to the puck. Yeah, I think with this third and fourth line, uh, you know, third line with uh, Frost, Delorier, and Tippett, I think it's going to really behoove Tippett to play his best because yes. I think he's going to be the guy that they have to chase, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so he has to kind of draw the attention away in order to prevent them from being successful offensively. And, you know, Corey Perry bugs me a lot, but I feel like he's the kind of guy that would score in this game. But if he's chasing around Owen Tippett, and maybe that leaves Morgan Frost a little mm -hmm. bit more open to make a play or something, you know, I think that's where I see it maybe working a little bit. Uh, one of the things, though, that did confuse me a little bit with these choices is that, you know, Kiefer Bellows is now back on the fourth line with Tanner Lazinski and Max Wellman. And, you know, you put Lazinski and Wellman there, fine. But, like, Bellows was just on the top line. I understand it was against the Islanders, his old team. There was some extra motivation there, but he played well. He did. And so, so uh, trying to understand a system where he rewards good play, but is also seeming to rotate guys through so he will conceivably get a lot less minutes in this game, which I understand to some degree because it's against Tampa. But at the same time, like, what's the message there? That That's also what's confusing. No, I get that. I, I can't tell you what the message is. Um, I'm not sure, but, you know, Bellows would have a chance on the fourth line to to maybe have an offensive impact because Tampa's fourth line, you know, aside from Maroon, it it's not great. So I think, you know, Bellomar is good. I mean, Bellomar is probably going to win his fair share of faceoffs against Lisinski just because of being that wily veteran. But other than that, I don't think they have a huge advantage on the fourth line. But, you know, I getting back to Frost, I mean, he had a really good game last game, and I felt like he played really good away from the puck, and he had one great scoring chance that was stopped. So him being on the third line with Tippett is great. I think that's a good combination. Yeah. I don't see why Delorier is with them. I just see him slowing them down. I would put Bellows there because Bellows is a better skater than Delorier. That would make sense to me. Right, right. And that's why I say there's method here and there's madness here all at the same time. You know, you go with the youthful energy, you know? I mean, sometimes that youthful energy altogether does a nice job. Yeah, well, we are going to continue to talk about these lines and how they relate to the Tampa Bay Lightning and what's going on with them coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer, esports, and of course, the NHL. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts like ours, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available wherever you get your podcasts and over on YouTube. Russ, the Tampa Bay Lightning currently sit in third place in the Atlantic. They're six and four in their last 10. And, you know, they've won recently against the Sabres, the Blues and the Preds, which makes sense. I think the Bruins are getting to them a little bit with, especially with that home winning streak. I think the they're Bruins getting to everybody. Are, are on. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. But especially the Lightning, um, they played them twice within a week span and lost both games. 
the most recent one was the Bruins 13th straight home win to continue that streak, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll say this, the Flyers haven't played anybody like the level of the Bruins. So the fact that Tampa loses to them, I can't really fault them for, and that's two of their four losses in their last 10. So they've played pretty good hockey mm-hmm. and, and they are starting yeah. to pick it up. And so this is kind of a game where, you know, the Flyers are like, all right, we're coming off looking good against the Islanders. For whatever reason, they're going to change things up, even though they won the last game. They're still going to mix up the lines, which, again, goes against the hockey lore. Like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, at least from the last game. Right. You should at least wait a period before you start mixing mixing up lines in case you've actually found the winning formula. But they're not going with that. So this is going to be a game where, again, watch out for Steve Stamkos. He's always number one on the list for a good reason. Uh, I think you have to watch out for Colton. He's last couple of games. He's done very well against them. Kucherov is always sort of hiding in there. Hedman is the game changer here because again, there is no answer for Victor Hedman. If he's having one of those games, he, he could really just dominate you. So it depends who they put in net. You know, if they put in Elliot instead of Vasilevsky, that does give you a better chance for sure. I mean, Elliot could still play a little bit, but nothing like Vasilevsky. And then, you know, for the Flyers end, I think they're going to go with Hart again. I don't see them going with Sandstrom for this one. Yeah, it's a tough stretch. So I would think that given that Sandstrom played so recently and played over a game, yeah. I think this is a this is a game where they would put Carter Hart in yeah. and then maybe one of the next two games is where they put Sandstrom back in, you know, depending on on how everybody's feeling but yeah i think you know the flyers got very lucky playing tampa very early in the season it was like i think the second game of the season yes right where they won that one and that was before tampa settled into the quality play that we know and and love or know and respect i guess uh so i think that it's a very different Tampa team that we're facing this time around and you know now at least we have some trends to look at from them and you know potential ways to win I think you know unfortunately one of the best ways to beat Tampa is scoring on the power play because they take a lot of bad penalties Mm -hmm. you know I was talking about penalties in, in the first segment and this is something that you know they have a problem with and that was partially why they lost the most recent game against the Bruins is they took a bad penalty and, you know, they lost an opportunity to to get back into it. So unfortunately, with the Flyers not being great on the power play, you know, not being great or just bad, at. we can say just bad. Look, I'm trying again, glass half uh-huh, full, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that's that's one good way to take advantage of the bolts is, you know, you got to score on the power play. Yeah, I mean, this is a team where if if. And again, we have to remember the Islanders do have their struggles offensively. It's not to take away the the good defensive game the Flyers played. It's just a fact. Tampa is used to teams trying to slow them down, shut them down, play good defense, put an extra guy in the middle. They're used to that. So I feel like the Flyers have to have just a little better game plan than they did against the Islanders if they want to beat these guys, because this is next level. Cooper's going to do a better job adjusting than Lane Lambert. Lambert's new to this game as far as being a coach. He's been an assistant. He's not been the guy. So, and Cooper is one of, one of the best in the league. Forever, and, so. and Cooper knows how to play around with the other coach too, if he wants to. 
And don't be surprised if he at some point does that, if Torts annoys him. So all that said, this is, a you know, you're, you're also, it's almost like you're fighting Cooper too. Uh, it's just not, he's just not on the ice. So they're going to be doing things too, to try and foul the Flyers up, even as a road team. Yeah, I think the other big thing in this game is that they have to take a lot of shots and make yes. them as good a quality shots as they can get. And, that, and you know, that's kind of a game plan for every game. But in this particular case, I think it's very specific to the Lightning. And, um, you know, the Flyers have more unblocked shot attempts than Tampa at five on five this season. And they, but they don't give up a lot of rebounds. And that's why I'm talking about shot quality here. You know, Vasilevsky, obviously when he's in, he just like, doesn't give anything up. No. So when you're, when you're choosing your shots for the flyers in this game, they can't do the banking. They can't do the try and knock it off Vasilevsky right. if he's in, you know, to try and get that rebound attempt. They have to skate in on the rush and take a quality shot. Yeah. I think in some cases they're going to have to, you know, get a few good passes to find an open guy and take the shot. Cause I'm not even sure mm -hmm. just taking a good shot is enough. So I think they're going to have to be a little bit more dynamic nicer word i'm trying to you know follow your lead than they were last game offensively right and and i think that's the big difference between the islanders game and this one is that the flyers just have to work harder uh, on the offensive side yeah. of things and work smarter because of again just the way that that tampa works and i think you know while they do have good defensemen i think right now that's the weaker side sure. of their game mm -hmm. It, so it it's something you just have to take advantage of. But also no headman can play 28 minutes if he has to. Yes, that is also true. I mean, that is something that they, you know, if they have a lead uh, in the third period, headman's going to play a lot. Yes, absolutely. But so you want to try that. And that's part of the game plan too, right? You want to try and make sure that that's not the case. Exactly, exactly. And so that's going to require the Flyers to have really strong breakouts, which is yep. something that they have struggled with this season. And, you know, I wonder with those interesting and different line combinations with guys that are less used to playing together, is that going to cause them problems on the breakout and getting rushes going? It could. I mean, I do like when they let Frost have a little um, ability to create and bring the puck up. But if they don't, you know, Zamula's really good at it, but I just don't think the coaching staff mm -hmm. will use him for it. That's the problem. Well, I'm hoping, you know, they give him a little bit more of a shot. I mean, paired with Sealer, you have to think they love Nick Sealer, right? Yeah. So that should give Sealer and Zamula <laughs> more minutes. It should. Ostensibly. It should. But, you know, the bigger question here is if the Flyers do well here, and let's say, you know, Risto does still do well with Provorov, then you do have a little bit of a problem trying to figure out what you want to do next with D'Angelo and with the with the pairings. It's a good problem to have because yeah. if you might have, a, you know, at this point you probably would trade um, a little uneasiness to have a good top pairing because, you know, they haven't had that really this year. Right. But I just keep thinking about Sanheim and Tony D'Angelo together. And to me, that doesn't work. No, I think I think D'Angelo would have to go to the third pairing. I do. Which is where he belongs, frankly, right. on a regular NHL team. Right. But at the same time on this team, I mean, you could still play him on the power play, right? right? He yeah, gets the extra minutes on special teams. I think, you know, that makes sense. But 
Um, and if you balance out that second, third pair in terms of minutes a little bit more than you would otherwise, again, just given the personnel, I think it could work. It's just like, it, it would be a very weird thing to have him come back in and play on the third pairing. But it could happen. Yeah, I think so too. But uh, I don't know if it'll happen against Tampa. We'll see how that one turns out and we'll recap it for you tomorrow. But we are going to switch gears coming up next to talk about Flyers draft pick Alex Bump. Russ, I'm excited to talk about Alex Bump again. Uh, I just really liked the pick at the time in last year's draft. He was the fifth round pick, 133rd overall. Uh, We talked about uh, his career so far in the USHL. He plays for the Omaha Lancers. Uh, which are have orange and black in their colors. Mm-hmm. So I feel pretty good about that one. Um, and last year, you know, he had 17 points in 27 games played in the regular season. Um, but this year, so far in 19 games played, he has 18 points, eight goals and 10 assists. So the scoring is going up for him. Yeah, the scoring is going up. I think he's um, more under control than when I saw him at the beginning of the year at the fall classic. This is why I always like to see guys in progression. Cause I can figure out what they look like from last year to the start of the year to now it's nice. And there's nice improvement. Uh, his skating, you know, you see little speed bursts. Uh, he hustles. Well, he's still got to work on his skating overall, but at this level, he's fine for it. So that's, that's good. His wrist shots got a lot of bite on it. It's good on the, pa- on the, on the power play. So that's good. Uh, penalty kill. He is a, a bit of an offensive threat on the penalty kill. Uh, he should be um, being a little more physical. His, his, his hits are a little down, but that's okay. I mean, I'm not worried about it. He has it in him. So so that's one thing. His, um, he's winning puck battles, but not as many as you'd like him to win. Uh, I think that could get better. Um, you know, the other thing is just the fact that he's more under control in the offensive zone has given him a lot more chances. He could score on wraparounds. He could um he's not that good of a playmaker at the moment. We'll see if that improves too. But mm-hmm. but I do feel like I'm seeing some maturity in him. Yeah, I wonder. Um, you know, he did uh have twenty eight penalty minutes so far this season, which is a lot. And so if he's not playing physical, but he's having, you know, taking that many penalties, like, is this a problem or is it just sort of the nature of the USHL? No, I think early on he he was probably playing too physical. Like when I saw him at the uh, fall classic and he was getting penalized a lot for it. And I feel like he probably eased up on it a little bit. And so there's probably, mm-hmm. you know, right now it's probably, there's a happy medium for it. That's probably wh- what's happened here. I haven't watched every game, but I've watched a fair, you know, a decent amount of um, video. So I think that's what's happening with that. And that's just probably his coach saying, you know, reel it in a little bit. Um, but, right. but again, I like what I see in the crease. He could really control things in the crease. He's really um, got an appetite to be in there and he's hard to handle because he's got some size and some strength already at that age. So those are good things too. Um, you know, overall right now, I still think he looks like a um, a third-line NHL guy if he makes it, but maybe if that speed gets a little better, could be a second-liner. But I feel like right now he's kind of like that third-line guy. But, you know, and I have no other better way of saying it than this. 
I feel like he sort of could fill uh, the Wade Allison kind of role if Wade Allison's not able to do it in a few years. Right. Right. The other question I have is he's going to the University of Vermont mm-hmm. next fall. And Vermont, you know, has gone up and down in terms yeah. of the level of the program. It's kind of mid tier right now, I would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just wonder, is he going to get the level of competition and the experience that he needs at a school like Vermont in order to take a step forward and maybe move up a tier amongst prospects well i mean sometimes you want to go to a program where you know you could be like a first or second liner get all the power play and pk time you want so um that's something where maybe that benefits him uh i don't know about i'm looking to see who might have his ohl rights if they if there are any uh because it's not a guarantee he goes there right i mean a lot of guys switch right i mean that's that's what I wonder if he has like a real good season, like he's trending to right now, like, is he going to maybe play somewhere else in junior or is he going to maybe pick a different school? Um, I, I just feel like in order to get the most out of him, he'll need the visibility having been a fifth round pick. Yeah, he could. I mean, it's a possibility, but you know, being a local Minnesota guy going to Minnesota, he probably, would have to really work up the ladder. You know what I mean? He wouldn't go there right. and get instant anything. So I do feel like Yeah, or Minnesota Duluth or Duluth or anything, either you know. same thing. You know, yeah. all the all the um older guys are going to suck up a lot of that. So that's where I could see where Vermont could work for him and you know, I'm not against it, but I do see your point. I just don't know and and again, not sure if he would ever want to go to the OHL. Um, sometimes it's good because you get to play more games. It all depends on the type of player, but the USHL plays a fair amount of games. So I don't think that's a bad thing. The only reason I say that maybe he could go the OHL route is, and you know, normally I always say college, but he's already got a fair amount of strength. So I don't think the extra weight room time is necessary for him. I think he'll, he'll gain his man strength over the, you know, the next couple of years because, He's already on a good path for that. So it could be you might want to get more games out of him. And and that's, you know, he's only going to get that the other way. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see if um what he decides. But I do think it would be a good dis- um good discussion for the Flyers to have at the end of the year with him. Yeah, and he did have a good development camp as well. Yes. So I think I think that he's somebody Flyers should definitely be focusing on in terms of what is the right path for him. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, he is on that Omaha team. It's a little bit of a stretch to watch games there. They're on flow hockey. So yeah. if you buy their package it's like 150 bucks a year uh but you get the echl um ushl a couple other smaller leagues as well so it's it's kind of like a little bit of a, a barrier to entry to watch those games but if you can highly suggest it and uh, look at the highlights on the internet as well speaking of which we've got a goal from alex bump from a couple weeks ago that was a really nice shot uh from an a game in the ushl and so take a look at that i wanted to oh, actually look. it looks like he has whl rights with um with the winter hawks with portland 
Mm. Yeah. So there you go. So, yeah. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, that'll do it for today's show. We'll be back again tomorrow. We're going to break down the game against Tampa and so much more. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So if you have questions, you can email us at LockedOnFlyers at Gmail or send us a tweet or a message on Instagram at LockedOnFlyers. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen today. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and their take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.